In talking with Ilek, and more importantly listening to her, I find connections with thoughts, principles and perspectives that are sometimes new, sometimes known to me, and I sense them coming together. By this I'm referring to the very natural combination of thought, memory, conceptualizations and practical experiences melding into a cohesive platform. I'm often inspired by these confluences because they allow me to address the multiple standpoints in novel ways. I can see new ideas formulate that allow me to either develop concepts for my own workshops and lessons, or simply to bring to a conclusion a thought process that hadn't yet been completed. The message is simpler though. We need to think about what is happening around us. We need to look about us to see how others are being affected by local and wider events. We need to reach out the hand of friendship and embrace the opportunity of helping one another. We also need to become more demanding of our societal leaders, whoever they may be. Thank you, Lilek, for your time again. Enjoy. The podcast from Kuala Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Lilek, I'm really happy to have you back for a third conversation. How have you been? Hey, Zach, thanks. Well, I've been preparing uh, a lot of wise stuff for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope people oh, no. will appreciate. No, I'm 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 looking forward to your uh, very uh, profound questions that I can answer humbly with my knowledge <laughs> and experience. Oh my God! All right, so no pressure on me then. Um, yeah, luckily some of my questions are going to be particularly uh, profound, but uh, very much at the surface of things. Um, we we started talking about. Um, earth holder not mission but the community uh, in exactly. our, yeah you educated uh, me on that one <laughs> in our previous episode um, but also because we talked beforehand you told me about some of the activities that you engage in um, and I mean let's talk about one in particular this uh, is it called the deep time walk exactly yeah okay Okay, yeah. So the deep time walk is very close to my heart. I I got in touch with it through a Czech friend who's part of a pilgrims university. So they do pilgrimages um, with certain topics every year. And uh, my friend, she was telling me about the deep time walk, which is a walk through the history of the earth. And it is a very practical thing and at the same time a very spiritual thing and I mean you you know me a little bit and you might have figured that I love this combination like hands-on but still not too materialistic or whatever so it's it's uh, very good and uh, at first I wanted to do it for XR and in fact I've never done it for the XR people like because I think there was not enough um motivation from their side and they didn't really know what it was but I did it with my meditation uh, group so and for uh, for other groups too and 
So I might elaborate a little bit on what it is. So the Earth is 4.6 billion years old, more or less, and the walk is 4.6 kilometers long, which means that one meter equals one million years, which is like amazing, right? And so you literally walk through the history of the Earth from the beginning of the universe um then you jump to the birth of uh, our solar system and the Earth and the moon. And then you walk like there are certain stops that are, of course, picked like, but those are very important developments that scientists have figured out, right? And so sometimes you walk one kilometer without anything really happening, like apart from evolutionary processes, which we don't know exactly how they happen. And then uh, at the end, you you figure like uh, there is a there is this um, it's called cambric explosion and everything um, happens very fast. And the last 20 centimeters are the history, the entire history of humankind. Uh, and so you you can see how how little time we are on this earth and how everything actually has has evolved from that first beginning, as I was saying before, right? And that everything has led to this moment. And of course it's not over. It's it's still going on. But for me it was it was so eye-opening again in a very hands-on way, or I could experience this this feeling of oh fuck the last 20 centimeters and we're fucking things up we're fucking like kind of <laughs> 4.6 billion years of evolution uh we're fucking it up and of course the earth will survive and something else will happen but still all the like the the amazing ecosystem the bacteria the animals and the plants and whatever um has emerged from from this this great this great process is is now in danger. And I, I thought, wow, this is a really nice way of um, of helping people understand without being too missionary, you know, like mm. Earth Holder Mission and stuff, uh, <laughs> but to make them experience it for themselves. And of course, through my way of guiding, I, I kind of help this, but I'm not telling them, listen, we're fucking things up and stuff, you know, it's it's just like if if it really works, if people are open, then they will have this kind of experience in in one way or another. Mm, yeah, which is in itself uh, that introduction brings in so many questions. So first of all, for, for these types of uh, sort of group, um, I, I'm not sure if it's the right term to say meditational um experiences it really is important to approach them with an open mind uh, to be willing to um sort of intake the information and also to be influenced and affected by those around you uh, if you're somebody who is naturally skeptical then you're not going to be able to completely appreciate the the experience are you well maybe not completely but that's not my goal if it's like five percent appreciation it's more than zero percent appreciation. I haven't done it with uh, especially skeptical people. The the danger is, as with everything that 
is kind of in the spiritual realm that people stay in their head and they start analyzing and criticizing. And of course, then again, they're dissociated from from the heart what we call the heart, you know, like this, this, this feeling and, and uh, the um, emotion. And so I don't know if it works. It doesn't work completely, but maybe they would say, oh, I've gathered some interesting information. I didn't know that. And maybe that's their way of, of, uh, getting into more into the topic. But of course, I wouldn't do it with a group of people who say that climate, um, that climate crisis is, uh, is a bogus. Mm. Maybe that would be a challenge that's too high. Yeah, a challenge too far. Indeed. But, but I think it's because uh, I, I like the, as you just said yourself as well, the spiritual and the practical. And there's something I want to come back to as well. Um, Reading a book a few years ago about nudge politics, where you essentially make decisions or you kind of pass regulations within a legal system, but without introducing a new law as a means of influencing collective behavior. So, for example, if you want to stop people from smoking, you put the price up significantly of cigarettes and so on. So this this is that that kind of thing where you don't actually have to pass a law uh, to influence that behavior. Within this book that I was reading, they talked about group dynamics, and I can't remember the exact terminology. But when you've got people who come together and they they, they want to make a decision based upon a specific issue, the more the greater that collective is the more emotional the decision becomes um and this the kinds of decisions that are made essentially are greater than the sum of the passions of the individuals involved because it's multiplied as a result of being such a collective thing um and i found that explanation to actually have a lot of spirituality to it but because it's not considered in this uh, a decision made in the spiritual realm, it wasn't represented as a spiritual thing. But I believe it to be similar because it's based upon the natural energies that are communicated between the people who are there in an unspoken manner. Um, is that something which could be perhaps related to some of the, the exercises that you do with the group? I, I just want to paraphrase what I got from your sure from uh, what you just said, um, because what I understand is that we have a connection, that there is a kind of connection that is not entirely mental or um, intellectual, yeah. and that this is something that we need to to connect with something deeper or higher, as you like to put it, and that this helps us to feel. Um, not only like I'm I'm me, Lilek, you are Zach, we're having a conversation, but there's maybe some third, uh, there's a, another dimension in the room. Like if we really, and this is, this is something that happens when you just um, become uh, still. Like usually I, I start my sessions with one minute of silence. Also the online sessions, especially, I tell people to come back to themselves and to come like to to open up to the room the uh 
to the room online that they're in because usually we're in our rooms i'm in my room you're in your room right now but we're still in a in a room together and to have that kind of awareness of the room and of myself in the room is something that already deepens everything and opens things up and this is how i understand how this process could come to be maybe and but this has also has to be guided like what this is why i i i tried to some one guy he told me something very important when i did the deep time walk once coming maybe coming to your question um, he said well i but i f i still feel i'm on this journey alone And I said, oh, okay, but because we're not talking, usually it's a meditative walk, as you already put it correctly. So you don't speak because you want to be in that space. You want to be with yourself and your steps and the millions and millions and then billions of years that you're walking through. Right. So you, you need a kind of stillness. And um, then I thought, okay, but how can I when I do this with the group, how can I help the group still feel connected, especially for those who are not used to walking without talking. People in the in the Plum Village tradition or in other Buddhist traditions and maybe Christian traditions and other traditions, I don't know, but in, in spiritual traditions, they usually are used to being with each other in silence. It's not awkward. But how how can I do that with a group who's not familiar with this kind of um, silent connection and then i thought okay i'm going to tell them okay listen we're a group now we're 2023 but we're um we're entering a spaceship now and we're going back in time all together and the next time when we jump will be at the beginning of the earth 4.6 billion years ago and jump and so the whole group jumps and this is at least an attempt Uh, to make them feel they're connected and they get out of the spaceship together so they're living this story together but at the same time uh, every every each person in their own very own way yeah, yeah it's um people i think don't naturally lose sight of their own individuality simply because they are within a group um but but i think this group the shared dynamic does serve to accentuate feelings um I, i'm kind of I, when i recall some of my yoga sessions or even afterwards some of my sort of um active um exercise sessions with the group what i find is when i can see that people around me are engaged in coordinated activities that make that impresses me and it drives me forward through the pain to continue doing the exercise if you know what i mean Yeah, it's it's almost like I become automatically committed to the group activity, even though I recognize my own pain. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that's something perhaps similar or if that's a part of the concept. I, I'm not sure about that. But when you're in a um, in the blockade. In, the, in or in a demonstration, I think this is also a process that's happening. You're an individual, but you're taking part in a group activity. And if if it rains or when it starts to rain, you, if you were alone, you would say, oh, fuck it, I'm going home. But if you're surrounded by thousands of people who are cheering, you might still think about it, but 
you might not want to go home uh, directly. I was I took part with uh, another friend of the Earthholder community uh, in a Fridays for Future uh, demo, and it was raining like hell. But we still we still did it, you know, like we we put up our our umbrella and we we marched through the rain and got our feet wet and uh yeah we we still did it i would have never done that alone like and i think that's that's a thing also a, a social thing you can explain some good and some bad mechanisms in human behavior with it. And I'm sure, sure, Zach, there's something going on in our brains, but I'm not a neuroscientist, although I find neuroscience very intriguing. And there are um, retreats about neuroscience and spirituality in Plum Village. They have been for the past years. Uh, so to bring that together, I was talking about that overlap or that intersection, right? And so I'm I'm sure there's something going on in your brain when you see others going through maybe some pain too. You're like, okay, it's worth it. I won't give up. We're in this together, you know. And yeah. in a way, maybe coming back to our last podcast, maybe that's exactly what we need now. Not maybe. I was talking about feeling this connection and telling ourselves that we're in this together. And I think we need the spirit. We need the spirit to go through the pain. Also the pain of of change because it's painful for people to change. Um but we, we need to tell ourselves we're in this together and and really really also see it. I think we see a lot of discriminating factors. And of course we see rich people who can afford everything and who get richer and richer. And I I I'm not naive. I'm not saying this is not true and this doesn't influence or shouldn't influence us. But at the same time, there's still masses and millions and billions of people who are on the same level in this together. And if we understood this better, as you said, we need to tell our politicians, listen, we want this, but not in an aggressive way, but kind of saying, okay, look, look we're behind you. And this is not happening right now. It's It's very sad, but it also has its reasons. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and, and we've touched on some of these reasons, and I'm sure that in the the coming sessions we'll uh, we'll talk about a few more of these uh, these sessions, uh, these issues. Um, and again, though, you it's it's cool because you you do come back to this connection between the spiritual world and practicality. Um, because a lot of people don't often see that they they kind of consider these to be opposites um whereas with what you're saying these are actually complementary factors they they work together they they bring together two statuses which allow people to be able to see things in perhaps a different light yeah one of my earthholder other earthholder friends in his uh, signal profile he has got that status um that status phrase and it's in german um I have to translate it into English. Uh, doing or acting is like wanting, but it's it's more deep shit or something <laughs> like, you know, and I love it. It's like usually you want something or you think about something, but then this is the, the action gap, thought action gap or how they call it. There's a term coined for it, which is our, our biggest enemy right now in climate fighting climate 
change or climate crisis and the injustice that's connected with it. And we we think about it, we think about changing, we we know, but like acting accordingly is that's that's a deep shit part, you know, like all oh, the real shit. And so I, I think it's it's nice to have some kind of mantra uh, and some kind of saying that you can come back to. And uh, I totally forgot your question. <laughs> That's okay. Was, <laughs> Tell me no, again, please. <laughs> it was, it's about how um, complementary spirituality and right, practical right. things are. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah, the thing is that maybe I'm putting it to, maybe that's too shallow. I don't know. But it isn't. Like, if you come back to your breathing, which is one of the most profound and basic exercises in, in my tradition, then this is something very practical. It's something very physical. But at the same time, you will feel after three deep breaths that something has changed also in your mind. And this is, I think, exactly when you can experience this this connection between the, the the mental and the physical and also maybe the spiritual. As soon as we have more space in our mind, we feel we feel relieved, we feel free, and we can look more like clearly. And I think yeah, it is it is looking beyond and at the same time in depth. You know, my practice is sometimes just to see how how things are connected i was talking about interbeing like when i look at the tree outside outside the window it's a birch tree i can see the leaves but i can also see how the wind moves the leaves if i see if i look more deeply i can see at least in my mind i know i can see all of the insects that are living on this tree that are interacting with this tree i can see the roots of the tree reaching deep down into the soil and when i look into the soil i can at least imagine all of the you know i can also see the cables and the the cellars of the of of the buildings around so i can see so many things that are interconnected and this for me is a spiritual view it, it it's called deep deep looking in my tradition because you don't look you don't look at things on on the surface but you go deeper and you go into the interconnectedness that those things or beings we as human beings or the plants whatever have with the the environment which is then again not environment anymore but it's just one big net of life yeah and this is also i, I believe expressed in sort of many yogic traditions is it not where you kind of meditate and you take time out to to consider actually where you are or you put yourself within the situation um in some of the, the the yoga sessions that i have partaken in um we tend to be somewhere by a water body um where there is i suppose either grass or sand which we can feel uh, between our fingers the wind and so on um maybe a bit of moisture here or there uh, just to kind of put us in into contact with a certain sense uh, and also a few natural elements uh, that there seems to be always this this coming together of these things. It's perhaps part of a similar structure of of beliefs or approaches. I have no idea. I haven't okay. done it yet. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, but but I also wanted to speak about this um, how people perceive these kind of 
meditationary practices and 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 the fact that they uh, you, you you raise as soon as you say the word spirit or spirituality like the eyes go up and, oh god here we go again it's and, and so on um you know for a start why do people do that is that just pure ignorance do you think or is do do we see weakness or inability within ourselves and so we don't want to approach what we don't know i think we are afraid on the one hand we're afraid of this this thing and we're afraid of 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 power because uh, spirituality has been in our culture very much linked uh to the church and the church as an institution of power as an institution of um mm, mm, like abuse also in a way and it's it's taken away the spiritual aspect and even before of course i mean people went to church because they believed that they were sinners and that they would be going to hell if if they didn't but um but this this spiritual aspect in our own christian tradition has become so marginalized and now it's coming back that we're not so much that church as an institution is weak they're opening up at least the lutheranian church churches uh, especially and so that people have a kind of wider understanding usually and and then on the other hand there's this very crazy esoteric uh branch that people uh, associate spirituality with i think when you say religion people go like oh church when you say spirituality people go like oh my god chakras and auras and whatever which is for me is fine for me but um it is it is a very narrow view because people don't really know and they put a they put a label on it so this labeling is very it's a very limiting factor and it keeps people from really experience it themselves and i what i see in plum village is that when people come they're not buddhists they're maybe on some kind of search they're maybe in some kind of crisis or they are just curious or someone forced them to go there <laughs> <laughs> and then they experience the community and the peace and the peacefulness of this place and of the people there and then it it creeps into them like in a good way and they start feeling more peaceful or more connected with their own emotions with their suffering but also with their joy and they can share it with others and this is a profoundly spiritual experience without them really knowing and then when they look back they're like wow this was so impactful and i've I've really experienced things that I've not expected to experience and I feel very connected. So usually community helps with spiritual practice. This is why I'm talking about it so so much that we need community for spiritual practice and that we don't have that here so much, right? We have our own spiritual beliefs and I think it's great that we we can be so free but at the same time we're a little lost because you asked you, you you asked me how is it like why are people so afraid or why yeah are they rolling their eyes when you say spiritual and sometimes it's it's also important to find a different word for it just to um, to avoid this label you know mm, yeah. like because sometimes it's not like okay listen guys 
I'm having this workshop and we're doing a very spiritual thing. We're going to breathe through our throat chakra for one minute. I will have lost all participants by then. Okay. I'm just like, <laughs> hi, I'm Lilek. I'm a blah, blah, blah. And we're doing this. And to start to come back to ourselves into the group, we're doing one minute of silence. Just breathe and feel your body. You know, it's also how you wrap it, you know, like yeah, yeah. it can be a great thing. But if you wrap it in a more, I don't know, esoteric kind of paper, then many people will say, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. So once again, essentially, the the unfortunate consequences of prejudice. Um, but uh, but exactly. yeah, but there we have it. Um, it's a, yeah. In, in many ways, what you're saying is also interestingly quite deep, but at the same time, simple. Um, you know, for people to be able to accept it, they j just simply have to say, you know, I want to experience it. They simply have to say, I want to give it a go. They simply have to go and do it. They simply have to take these deep breaths and exactly. open their eyes and open their minds. And that at that point, that is that shallow um, or simple exercise is the doorway to something far deeper and that which brings joy and peace and which is not beyond the reach of anyone. We can all access it. Yes, we do. And in a way, what you say is true and and false at the same time because when I'm <laughs> when I look at it from a Zen perspective, you say this very simple exercise is uh, la 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 for something much deeper. In Zen, I would say no, there is nothing deeper. There is just this, and this is it. The <laughs> breath in this moment is the most spiritual thing that you can experience. Or whatever we're talking about, spiritual blah blah blah. Let's say it is. It is the truth or the here and the now that you can experience. And this is all that is there, you know, and there's nothing that goes deeper or higher or whatever than this. So you don't add anything. You take you don't take anything away. And this is the big art, at least in Zen practice, uh, which is also something that I'm trying uh, and it's nothing really to achieve because it, it is from moment to moment, like from step from step to step. And so, um, yeah, it is it is funny because we, we always have the ultimate dimension where there is maybe something like liberation or peace and ultimate blah, love. But then we also have the historical dimension where you sit on a chair and you just breathe and you're alive and there is, of course, this intersection of of the two. So, yeah, but maybe in 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 the next part we can talk a little bit more uh, about other earth holder practices and what we what we can what we can do also to um, to be active and to yeah be open and change change something. Yeah, which uh, is exactly a great place to leave it. A bit of a cliffhanger there, uh, Lilek. So thank you for that. But uh, yeah, again, thank you very much for yeah all, all of your um, explanations and and also I think guidance. Um, I think sometimes people go to certain kinds of events uh, expecting to receive information that is going to tell them exactly how they have to do things and really. It's not about that. It's it's about adapting what they currently do in certain ways to, to start a journey towards 
uh, I won't. I, I hesitate to say enlightenment, but in some kind of improvement um, to, to where they currently are. Um, but it doesn't always have to come from somewhere else. Is in you know, ask yourselves and then see what comes. I guess. I don't yeah, know. I think it's maybe enlightenment is is uh, a term that many people cannot connect with. Even for me, it's sometimes what is enlightenment. I think I, I like to think of it as a as a change in in consciousness it's it's like that change that we desperately need as humankind to understand what's going on and how we can how we can stop it or how we can just try other ways of handling the situation and each other and the world so we need that that shift and uh, i th i think that spiritual traditions should work towards that or should help with their practices uh, in in a way that people are open to receive it. As I just explained, if I say, hey, we're going to, to do a transcendent Tita healing meditation, some people will scream yay, and some people will, many people will scream nay. So I just I just try to offer what I what I think is is uh, healing and good and connecting. Uh, to the earth and to people uh, in a way that people can receive it. Thank you, Nene. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.